0: so thankful for our creative teams and the way they've captured the whole essence of this new series, Unforgettable, the video we just experienced that they put together in this stage. Isn't it awesome what they've put together? It's fantastic. I can now teach and get a tan all at the same time. It's a phenomenal experience, but we want to welcome you here as we start this new series called Unforgettable. And it's based upon the idea that we have memories in our life that really are unforgettable, and they help to shape us. And this kind of represents mine. I grew up on a lake here in southeastern Michigan, and it literally did forge the memories which ultimately shaped my life. I mean, most of them happen in the summer. You live in a lake. It's not much good in the winter. It's great during the summer. And I I learned literally to love things through the memories I experienced in the summer. For example, I I love lakes more than mountains. I mean, there's just something about water and the reflective nature of water and the ripples in the water and what it does to my soul. And it's because those are memories that help to shape me. I like water skiing more than any other sport in the world. I grew up in a lake. Water skiing, that's part of it. The second is, since I've become a follower of Christ, I want to be like him, and it's the only sport he participated in. Um, (laughs) He, he walked on water. You do know this, right? I, it's like, he barefooted. He, he, he invented the sport. It was great, and I want to be like him. But literally, the memories that I experienced in summer ultimately helped shape who I became as a person. Well, the same thing is true in my relationship with God. His truth often has created memories in my life that have served to shape me. When a particular passage or a particular truth was finally opened up to me. It it became such an impacting memory in my life that it began shaping my whole experience in pursuing him and loving him and being transformed into the fulfillment, I hope, of what he designed me to be. And that's really the basis of this series. This series is based on the idea that each one of us who teaches during this series is going to be sharing an unforgettable truth, an unforgettable passage that has been used to so impact us that it's shaped who we've become as believers. And it can ultimately, if you'll embrace it, if you'll hear it, if you'll apply it to your life, we think become an unforgettable impact in your life. And this year I've done something a little bit different. We, we've reached way outside of our spiritual community here and I've invited in some nationally respected spiritual teachers to come in and share their unforgettable truths and unforgettable moments. And many of you have been reached here at Northridge haven't been exposed to the greater world of spiritual teaching necessarily. And so you might not even know these names. It's not a marketing thing. We think you need to hear some of the voices that God has raised up around the world and allow those voices to impact you. So don't miss any portion of this series if you can help. But I mean, when you're not on vacation, and please be inviting other people in, this is going to be an unforgettable summer. And we get to start it this weekend. And I'm starting this weekend with what is to me... The single most unforgettable truth that transformed my life. Having grown up in a religious environment, this was missed in my life. I missed the entire point of Christianity. I ultimately rejected God and Jesus and the church and spiritual things because I missed the whole point because it got lost in the rituals and the traditions and the liturgies of the religion I was exposed in. But when I finally discovered the reality of the truth, the unforgettable truth that I'm going to be communicating in this talk, it transformed my world. I realized that Christianity isn't about religion and rituals and traditions. It's about a relationship with a person whom we can know. It's about experiencing, ultimately, the promise of how he designed us, the promise of life and life to the full. But too many people, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to the issue of faith, when it comes to the issue of Christianity, really do miss the point, like I did. They miss the point. They get caught up in everything but the point. And I want to show you this isn't new with the 21st century. This isn't a creation that's come up in recent times. This was a part of the world even in Jesus' day. And to show it, I want to give you context by reading Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17. The Bible says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, those who were following him at the time, who do people say the Son of Man is? He's basically saying, who are people saying that I am? And this is what they said. Some say you're John the Baptist, who was a very, very impacting and popular preacher during the day of Jesus. Some say you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. And they're saying, you are like one of the great prophets of all time. You're like John the Baptist. You're an unbelievably profound teacher, rabbi, spiritual leader. But then he asked, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're not just a great prophet. You're not just a great teacher. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're, you're the promised one. You're the Messiah. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. You didn't figure this out on your own. God revealed it to you. But this passage for me reveals a huge danger, a danger that I succumb to early on in my spiritual life, a danger that I see so many people being overtaken by, and it's the danger that even when you get close to Jesus teaching, you get close to people who talk about him and know him, even when you get close to his love and his power and his leadership and his impact, it's still easy to fail in genuinely understanding who he really is. Even when you get close to Jesus, it's easy to miss the point, because here in Matthew 16, these people had been exposed to his teaching, they had been exposed to his ministry, to his leadership, to the unbelievable power, miraculous power, that he exploded into the world with in those days, and yet they could only rise to the level of saying he was a great prophet, he was a great teacher, and that's the world we live in today, where a lot of people think he's a great teacher, a great prophet, but they miss the point. For every Peter who figures out that he's more than just a great teacher, more than just a great man, more than just a great figure of history, that he's the point. For every Peter who figures it out, there are multitudes that never do. Never. They miss it. Many follow him, actually, respect him, honor him, listen to him, enjoy him, and even benefit from his teaching and his truth. But they never really get who he really is and what he's calling them to. So in the end, they missed the point. They, they never experienced what he came to give us, to give them life and life to the full. You can know his teaching and love it. You can listen to his teaching and love it. You can sing his songs and love them. You can come to places like this and enjoy it. You can claim that you're following him, believing in him, and yet like so many, even in his day, miss the point. You see, he's not just a great prophet. He's God. He's not pointing the way. He is the way. He's not showing how you can find life. He is life. He's God. He's the point. Simply Jesus. And yet so many people are missing it. The question is, could you, like I for so long did in my life, could you be missing the point? Even in searching, even in being here, even in caring about your spiritual life, even in talking about issues of faith, even in exposing yourself to the teaching of God's truth, could you be missing the point like so many in Jesus' day were? Here's the truth that I want you to see. Christianity is simply Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. And I'm going to tell you, this really blew me away when I discovered it, because I grew up in the Christian religion. But in the Christian religion, I missed the whole point about Jesus. I was taught that Christianity was about the way we lived it, not about Jesus. I was taught that Christianity was the kind of church we went to, and the way we looked, and the way we talked, and the kind of music we sang it was about holy calendars, it was about liturgies, it was about styles of music in the tr- religious traditions I grew up in if the music didn't have an organ you were going to hell and yet that's not at all what Christianity is. Christianity isn't classical music or contemporary music Christianity isn't holy calendars or no holy calendars, Christianity isn't Liturgy or no liturgy. Christianity isn't, is it entertaining or is it boring? And there are some people who really think if Christianity is not boring, it can't be from Jesus, you're wrong. But it's about about these things. Christianity is about Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. And what I want to do this weekend is I want to show you one of the passages that literally, in an unforgettable way, transformed me. It's Colossians chapter 2 and chapter 3 and I hope you brought your lunch because this is a four-hour talk and um, (laughs) look at Colossians chapter 2 verses 2 through 4 Paul says my purpose my whole reason for doing life and ministry and for teaching is that people may be encouraged in heart and united in love my whole purpose in teaching and pointing people to truth is so that they might have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God and here's what he's saying he's going I live so that people will experience the full riches of everything God has for them I want them to experience the riches of his knowledge the riches of his wisdom the fullness of his promises I want them to know the entire mystery I don't want it to be a mystery anymore and I'm going to tell you the truth this is really what I live for in ministry these days so many people are looking for God and not finding him looking for his promises and not finding them And here, Paul says, that's what he lives for. And look what he says. If you're going to find the riches of complete understanding, if you're going to experience the fullness of God's mystery in your life, then here's what you need to understand. It's Christ. It's Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. In Christ are hidden, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All of them, not some of them, all of them. It's about Jesus. And I tell you this, Paul says, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. And we're living in a world that's being deceived by unbelievably fine-sounding arguments. Arguments about the kind of churches we should have, or the kind of styles we should approach, or the kind of musics that are appropriate, or the kind of language that's appropriate. But in so doing, we're missing the point. Because the point of Christianity isn't how we celebrate it. The point of Christianity is the person we celebrate. His name is Jesus. Christianity is simply Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. It's what our focus needs to be on. The context of of the book of Colossians is that Paul is writing to the church in a city called Colossae. And they had gotten off track. They had started out by following Jesus Christ. But over time, they began valuing other things. Included with Jesus or over Jesus? They started literally pursuing traditions and philosophies and pragmatic principles and certain methods and certain styles. If you didn't teach this way, you couldn't be from Jesus. It wasn't about teaching about Jesus. It was about how you taught. And the same thing is going on today. Christianity, being a follower of Christ, is not a matter of philosophy or values or traditions. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Paul says, See to it that no one takes you captive, no one holds you prisoner, no one deceives you through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends upon human tradition and the basic principles of human logic, rather than on the one thing Christianity is about— Jesus Christ. Christianity is not about which denomination, which kind of church, and what style. Christianity is about Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what it's about. And so many people are missing the point. I gave up on God because I was so lost in religion I couldn't see the point. The point is Jesus. Do you know him? Do you have him? Are you pursuing him? Of course, knowing him is going to influence everything about your life. Knowing him will influence your philosophy. Knowing him will influence your value. Knowing him will influence your choices. But it's knowing him that's the important thing. Too many people are trying to pursue the right philosophies without knowing him. Trying to pursue the right morals without knowing him. This is why so many replace Jesus with politics or Jesus with other things. But we need to take away those other things and put Jesus back in the middle of them. You need to know... Christianity is all about Him. So the question is, as you pursue Christianity, are you all about Him? All the goodness of Christianity is found in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not found in a program. It's not found in a style. It's not found in a plan. It's found in Jesus. All the goodness of Christianity, no matter how hard we work at it, can't be put on You can't put on Christianity, and yet this is exactly how religion packages it. You're supposed to put it on. You're supposed to do this and not do this. You're supposed to think this and not think that. You're supposed to like this and not like that. You're supposed to say this and not say that. This is the kind of thing you're supposed to sing. You're not supposed to sing this. This is the kind of place you're supposed to go. This is the kind of person you're supposed to become. And all put on. But the problem is all the goodness of Christianity can't be put on. Because all the goodness of Christianity is found in Jesus Christ, which means the only way to experience the full impact of Christianity, the only way to experience the full impact of God's promises in our life is not to put on Christianity, but to allow him to put Jesus in you. Christianity is something we put on. Christianity is something we let in. We have to open our lives up to Jesus Christ, and he transforms us. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, among those who didn't know God and didn't know his truth, the glorious riches of his mystery. You know what the glorious riches of his mystery is? It's all found in this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I find so many people who have put on the package of Christianity who've never allowed Jesus to put in them the hope of glory. Putting on Christianity will not give you hope But letting Jesus in you will fill you with hope. Christianity is Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. And I know a lot of people who come to Northridge, really, are probably like I was when I was younger. You've kind of given up on religion. You've given up on the whole deal. And maybe someone invited you here or said there's this place that's not a lot like any church that you've been exposed to maybe in your life. And you need to come here. And so you're searching. Could it be that there's something true about Christianity that... You didn't get in religion. Others of you are here searching. You've never been exposed to any kind of religion, but you're searching. Could it be that there really is hope? There really is peace? There really is a a purpose in this world? Could it be? And you're searching. And so you're searching out Christ. And you need to know, becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, finding Jesus Christ, isn't about adopting new values and new philosophies and coming to a new church, fitting into a new culture, finding a new lifestyle. Becoming a follower of Jesus Christ is simply about this one thing, opening yourself up to Jesus, letting him in, receiving him into your life to be your Lord, your Savior, your forgiver, your leader, your life restorer. And then many of us who have opened our lives up to Jesus Christ are trying to grow in that, and many times we're finding it difficult. Man, I just can't overcome this problem, this temptation, this addiction. I can't overcome this habit that's kind of indelibly caught in my life. I can't reshape my life. I can't grow. I can't grow. I'm stuck. I'm stagnant. Well, you need to know growing as a follower of Christ isn't about you becoming more. It's about you becoming less. It's not about you doing more. It's really about you doing less there are many people who are here saying man I need to get more of Jesus I need to get more of God I need to get more of Jesus I need to get more of God no you don't the way you grow as a believer isn't by getting more of Jesus the way you grow as a believer is by letting him get more of you when you have Jesus you have all there is of Jesus the problem is that he doesn't have all there is of us and I'm finding that Christianity when we're trying to live it on our own never is experienced because we can't live it on our own we have to say I can't do it you do it in me and then it explodes in reality in our lives look at Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 and 7 it says so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord just as you began, began to follow him you opened your life up to him this is how you're to continue to live in him you're supposed to be rooted and build up in him Not in your own strength, in your own ability, but in Him. How? Strengthened in your faith. Trusting in Him more, not in yourself more. Letting Him do more, not you do more. Just as you were taught and then overflowing with the gratitude that will follow that. Becoming a follower of Christ and growing as a follower in Christ has nothing to do with what you can or can't do. It has everything to do with what He can and is willing to do and us letting Him do it in us. Christianity is simply about Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, Here's the point. The point that I missed for so many years of my life. Here's the point. To genuinely experience your purpose in life, to genuinely experience the purpose of faith, to genuinely experience the promises that God has for you, you need to open your life and open your faith up to Jesus. You need to make your life and faith entirely about Jesus, simply Jesus, nothing more, nothing less. Now, growing up in religion, as I did, there was all kinds of flowery language that I could never understand. I didn't get the whole, I didn't get it. I couldn't understand it. Their words, their images, it was a mystery to me. And it's like, I I, I didn't understand what they were saying. I didn't understand their secret codes, their secret handshakes, and I hated aerobics. So this kneel, stand, kneel, stand stuff, I wasn't into. I I didn't get it. And so since I have discovered the reality of his truth and a relationship with him and since he's led me into teaching others about it i try and consistently not paint flowery language without giving practical ways to weave it into your life and so i want to paint a picture of what this sounds like because this can sound so mysterious it's about jesus simply jesus nothing more nothing less what's that mean to me I mean, how does that work into my life? How am I missing it? How can I apply it to my life? Well, let me paint a picture for you, all right? I want to paint a picture of how you can make the focus of your life and the focus of your heart, the focus of your faith, Jesus, nothing more, nothing less. What should it look like? Here's the first. He should be, if you're going to really experience His promises and His fullness in your life, He needs to be at the center of your desires, If you are really going to be experiencing the fullness of life that he came to give you, he needs to be at the center of your desires. Look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Paul says, since then you have been raised with Christ. He's saying, since you have made your life about Christ, since your sin and all of your failures have been put on the cross with him and you've been forgiven, and since you have been raised with the resurrected Christ, given a new life, You're living a new life. Since you have been raised with Christ, look what it says. Now set your hearts on things above. Stop setting your heart on things below. Stop setting your heart on temporary things. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He's saying, look at if you're going to experience what Jesus came to give you, if that's what you're looking for, then you need to set your heart on Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. And what's the heart represent? Our desires the heart represents our longings what we dream about what we're burdened by what our visions for life are and he needs to be at the center of our desires and i'm going to be honest with you this isn't where most of us are most of us long and dream for what we long and dream for we long and dream for our own advancement our own success And then what we do when we start pursuing Jesus is we invite Jesus in to help us achieve what we desire. Well, I want to be successful, so I'm going to invite you in and I'm going to take all of your promises to help me be successful at what I want to be successful at. That's not Christianity. Christianity isn't about you getting all of your dreams. Christianity is about you joining God and getting all of his dreams. Christianity isn't about him helping you achieve your desires. It's about you surrendering your desires because you finally realized your desires are all messed up. Your desires are selfish. And instead, you saying, God, I'm giving up my desires for your desires. We need to make Jesus the center of our desires. We need to give him all of our heart. We need to set our hearts on him. And a lot of you are probably like me. And when it comes to self-evaluation, you're pretty good at grading on a curve. I mean, when it, now, when I'm evaluating you, no curve, man. But when I'm evaluating me, big curve, man. Basically, I look at you and I go, you're a mess. I look at me and I go, you're awesome. You know, I mean, it's like we, we, we don't evaluate ourselves fairly. And so when I start thinking about, is my heart really focused on Jesus? Is my heart really desiring what he wants? And is what I dream about and what I long for and what burdens me really Jesus? I'll go, yeah, pretty much. And so I've had to come up with a way to evaluate myself. And I found this passage of scripture which helps me to evaluate myself. Matthew chapter 12 verse 34. Now I know you're looking down. Um, But you're not going to find this on your outlines because, well, I didn't give you an outline. But here's the verse. It's out of the overflow of the heart your mouth speaks. Matthew 12, 34. It's out of the overflow of your heart your mouth speaks. So when I answer the question, is the focus of my desire and what I long for Jesus, it's easy to say yes, but then I have to ask this. Are the focus of is the focus of my words, Jesus. How often is Jesus found in what I speak about? When I speak about dreams, is he at the center? When I speak about my desires, is he at the center? When I speak about what I'm excited about, is he at the center? When I speak about what I celebrate, is he at the center? And I'm going to tell you, I've been a Christ follower a long time, and I'm, I have to just be honest with you. There are a lot of times when everything I'm excited about has nothing to do with Jesus and I've been around believers a long time and I'm gonna tell you I can go to community gathering after community gathering after community gathering of believers in their homes on the golf course here and we can talk about a lot of things and Jesus never comes up and yet it's out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks so let me ask you a question could it be that you talk about loving Jesus you talk about following Jesus you talk about loving his truth you talk about following his truth but you've never made him the center of your heart's desires this would explain why you're not experiencing Christ in you the hope of glory this would explain why you're not experiencing the promise of life and fullness this would be why maybe you're complaining to God about why you're not getting what you want here's the thing if you're complaining about why you're not getting the life you want the focus of your desires is on what you want not on him when your focus is on his desires you're thanking him for the life he's giving you for being a part of his kingdom instead of your own our desires have to be on him are yours how else does the picture go well if i'm going to really be experiencing the fullness of his promises in my life i'm really going to be experiencing the fullness of true christianity genuine christianity then that means that my the center of my desires needs to be Jesus, but the center of my thoughts needs to be Jesus as well, need to be Jesus. The center of our thoughts have to be on Jesus. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. You need to make him the center of your thoughts. By our minds, he's talking about our imaginations, our reflections, our meditations, the very things that consume our thought life. And if we're not consumed with Jesus Christ in what we think about, In quiet, alone, with others. If we're not consumed with Christ, that means our minds haven't been genuinely set on Him. And you know what that allows? When our minds aren't set on Jesus, He's not the center of our thoughts. It allows us to be consumed with small and petty and little and temporary things. It allows us to be consumed with anxiety and worry. You'll never experience peace with your mind set on temporary things. But you can always experience peace even in the midst of the greatest storm, when your mind is set on him, because he's the God who doesn't change. He's eternal. Earthly things aren't. Now this doesn't mean, because I know how you process, I process the same way. You're going, "Oh my gosh, does every one of my thoughts have to start Jesus? I mean, I thought, Jesus, I mean, I, I have to go to work. you know? I have to do other stuff. No. All of your thoughts don't have to be of Jesus only, but he needs to be at the center of all your thoughts. Every thought I have in the workplace, he needs to be at the center of it. And here's the problem. For many of us, we push him off to the side in our thinking at work because Jesus gets in the way of success in this culture sometimes, doesn't he? In our relationships, often we'll push thoughts of Jesus to the side because we want in that relationship and from that relationship what we want, and so we kind of push him off to the side. If truth be known, many of us think most of Jesus and sometimes only of Jesus when we're in places like this, which means Jesus isn't the focus of our thoughts, which is explaining why we're not experiencing the fullness that he came to bring us. If I'm going to truly experience what he came to bring me, he needs to be at the center of my desires, he needs to be at the center of my thoughts, and he also needs to be at the center of my choices. He has to be at the center. This deals with how I exercise my free will. The choices I make show really what I desire and what I think about. This is also seen in Colossians 3, 1 and 2 where he says, set your heart on things above, set your mind on things above. What's that talking about? Choice. Because I have to choose to set my mind there or not, right? It's dealing with choice. And, and I'll tell you this this is so important, and I experience it in my own life. When I genuinely put Jesus at the center of my heart's desires, and when I genuinely put Jesus at the center of my thoughts, it changes the choices I make. Why don't you just backtrack the tape of this last month and look at the choices you made? Were those choices the result of having your heart's desire centered on Jesus or were they the result of having your heart's desire centered on your own dreams coming true, your own wants and your own wishes? Were the choices you made in this last month the result of having him at the center of the way you thought or were they the result of inviting him in to help you to achieve your greatest thoughts? This is a big deal. I always blow it in my choices when he's not at the center of desires and thoughts. I never blow it when he's at the center. And I bet the same is true with you. Too many of us are so close to Jesus, close to his teaching, close to his truth, but we're not close to him. He's not at the center. We've included him. But he's not the center. And we miss it. There are very few Peters who understand who Jesus is in this world. But it's only the Peters who understand Jesus in this world that experience the fullness of his promise. So the question is this. Are you experiencing the fullness of his promise? Now I know that we all have different motivations for being here. We all have different motivations for being here. Uh, Some of us are here because we feel like we have to be. Our wife told us we have to be. Um... Our parents told us we have to be, our husband told us we have to be, or, or some of us have been so messed up by religion that we feel like if we don't come, there will be a lightning bolt from God through our heads. Uh, you know, I mean, we're all here for different reasons. But if you're here out of duty, then you're listening to me, and you're just basically going, would you just shut up already so I can go out and eat and get done with this thing? And you're going you're gonna to listen to this talk, and you're going to put up with it, and you're going to leave, and you're going to be the same. And I get it. This is religion to you. But I believe many of you are here because you really want to know his promises in your life. You really want to know fulfillment and life as he designed it. You really know there's more than what you can get on your own. And you're looking for it. And I'm just telling you, if you're here for real, you need to put Jesus at the center. Because you can get everything right and still have it all wrong. Unless you make him the center of your desires, your thoughts, and your choices. And here's what'll happen. When you put him at the center of your heart and your thoughts and your choices, it changes who you are. It changes your actions. Now, isn't it interesting how religion gets it backward? Because religion tries to change your actions without anything changing inside. It doesn't work. Because you can have all of the right behavior and still be bankrupt inside. But Jesus changes the heart and the thoughts, and the choices. And then that changes how we live. And let me just show it from the book of Colossians again. First of all, the negative. In Christ, when we really do open our lives to Christ and put, make him the center of our hearts and our thoughts and our choices, we let go of all the destructive, negative, dark junk in life. Uh, look at how Colossians chapter 3, verses 5, 8, and 9 say it. Put to death, therefore. Get rid of, therefore, Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, you know, those natural desires that you had before you opened your life to Christ, get rid of them. Like sexual immorality, the pursuit of sexual pleasure, whether it's moral or not, right or not, good or not, because you're going to go after pleasure. Get rid of that. When you, when you are in Christ, you're going to start setting that junk aside. Same with impurity and lust and evil desires and greed, which is simply idolatry, making money your God. And then it goes on. But now, now that you're truly letting Christ in, You must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. In Christ, we let go of all the destructive junk in life. And here's what I have found. Many people who claim to be following Christ aren't letting go of the destructive junk. Many people who claim to be following Christ are still filled with anger, still filled with greed, still filled with lust, still driven by all this junk. And it simply tells me this. They've added Jesus' language to their life, but they haven't made Jesus the center of their life. Christianity is simply Jesus, nothing more or nothing less. Is he what Christianity is to you? Is he how you're living it? then it goes further in our actions, because it moves to the positive. In Christ, we embrace, we don't just get rid of the destructive junk in life, we embrace the positive and productive characteristics of life, of Christ himself. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Literally, as clothes can define how we look on the outside. We're supposed to clothe ourselves with the positive, productive characteristics of Christ. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We're supposed to bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances we have against one another, forgiving as the Lord forgave us. And then over all of these virtues, we're supposed to put on the primary virtue that Christ was displayed through, love, which binds us all together in perfect unity. And so... When we make Jesus the focus of our heart and our focus of our thoughts and the focus of our choices, then in Jesus, the destructive junk starts to disappear and the positive characteristics start to naturally appear. Is this going on in your life? I have found in my life, very often, I'm having to war with myself to try and do the right things. I always fail. Christianity is not about warring with myself to do the right things. Christianity is about letting Jesus in. And he does the right things. It's Jesus. Sadly, the consequence of the life of many of us who claim to be following Jesus Christ, the consequence of a relationship with Christ more often than not in our world, isn't being reflected in our desires or our thoughts or our choices or our actions. For many who call themselves Christ followers, the old destructive junk still defines them instead of the new and positive characteristics. And so here's what I simply want to ask you. And remember, this is a truth that has transformed, continues to transform my life. Here's the question. What defines your life? Is it the destructive junk, feeling like a victim, being filled with anger, greed, needing more, needing pleasure, needing something to find fullness? Or is it that in spite of what life might be delivering to you, you know The goodness of Christ. Because he's in you. What defines your life? It should be Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. Is it? This is pretty simple. And life transforming. Here's my encouragement. If you're a believer, if you say you're a Christ follower here, I want to challenge you to evaluate your life. Is it destructive, negative junk that defines you? Or is it the positive Are your words primarily reflecting Christ or your own dreams? What kind of actions are reflecting in your life? And if it is so often like it is in my life, it's not the good, it's the bad. Here's the great news. If we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And here's the sin I have to confess so often. Jesus, I have focused on so much that isn't you. I have focused on success. I have focused on attention. I have focused on getting people's affirmation. I have focused on people loving me instead of me loving you. I have focused on pleasure. I have focused on finding my fulfillment instead of finding you and knowing that you're my fulfillment. Forgive me for that. And I believe there's a lot of that junk going on here. And if it's you, let go of it. Because if you want life, it's only found in Jesus. But some of us are here. And you've never found Jesus. You might have found lots of religion. You might have come into Northridge and you really like Northridge. You might have accepted Northridge into your life, you know? You might have accepted Brad into your life. I like Brad's teaching. But none of that will do anything for you. The question is, have you let Jesus into your life? Because Christianity isn't about the church we attend or the kind of church we attend. Christianity is about Jesus. Let him in, and he'll transform you. So before I finish the talk with one last passage that'll define the whole thing down, I'm going to ask you to bow with me in a word of prayer if you would. And as we bow, if you're a believer, I would encourage you to do what I so often have to do, focus on whether or not my desires, my thoughts, my choices and actions are really centered on Jesus or other things. But if you're here and you've never taken this step, pray with me, would you? Take my words and make them your words to God. Just say, Jesus, I need you to transform me from the inside out I have sinned against you I've messed up I don't deserve you I have failed time and time again my heart my thoughts have been selfish but Jesus I believe you died on the cross to take away my sin and you rose again to give me new life and by faith I'm receiving you into my life to transform me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed with me, quickly, I just really want to encourage you, please, just before I give you this last passage, let us know. If you're in one of our live services, the program we hand you has this connection card inside, and all you have to do is tear it out, (laughs) fill it out. And on the bottom it says you prayed to receive Jesus. And if you did, check it off. And then every door, every exit, you can put it there. We'll send you a letter about next steps you can take. And if you're watching in church online, there's a What Next Step button, and we'll do the same thing for you if you fill that out. But look at this last passage, because this last passage in Colossians chapter 3 that I'm going to share with you talks about the results of putting Christ at the center of your desires, your thoughts, your choices, and your actions. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. The Bible says, Let the peace of Christ... Not the anxiety of this world, but the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ, his truth, dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And then whatever you do in life, whether it's words or works... Do it all in the name for his honor, for the respect and glory of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do you know what the result of making Jesus the center of your life is? Peace will rule your hearts. Is it? I'm going to tell you, there's not a lot of peace going around in this world. I know a lot of people, very few of them are ruled by peace because very few of them are focused on Jesus at the center. How about you? Do you know what happens when Jesus is at the center of your life? Christ's word, his truth, fills your thoughts. Not your wants, not your needs, not the world's philosophies and thoughts, but his truth, which sets you free, fills your thoughts. This passage tells us that gratitude guides our choices. The reason we make so many bad choices is because we're bitter, we feel ripped off, we feel like victims, we're mad at the world, we're mad at God, and so we're going to do what we want to make ourselves happy, and in so doing, we destroy our lives. But when you're filled with gratitude, you make choices guided by gratitude. And this is what happens when Jesus is at the center. And when Jesus is at the center, Christ's glory, Christ's honor, Christ's name is the goal of all of our actions. As Colossians says, we close ourselves with compassion. Now I'm going to tell you, Northridge is far from a perfect church because it doesn't have a perfect pastor, it doesn't have perfect people. We've got a lot of flaws, a lot of mess-ups, a lot of work to do, but... But there's this beautiful spark of Jesus in this place. There really is. I mean, one of the most beautiful pictures for me of the fact that many people here, are, though they're not perfect, are starting to put Jesus at the center of their desires and the center of their thoughts, the center of their choices, and it's becoming part of the center of their actions. One of the most beautiful pictures recently was when we introduced you to people you'll never know, you'll never meet, who live halfway around the world in a place called Zambia, Africa and we told you about how they're experiencing devastation and poverty and darkness and three thousand of you nearly three thousand of you, decided that you would put yourself on the line for one of these people in Zambia and you stepped in and you said we're going to make an investment in a child in Zambia so that we can be a part of changing a community in Zambia not because We know them, not because they change our lives, but because we know Jesus, and Jesus changed our lives, and we're going to share them with the world. That, to me, was a picture of what happens when Jesus is at the center. And I hope that's happening in every part of your life. As I just kind of end the talk, this first talk in this new series, I I want to conclude it this way. Don't miss the point of Christianity. Don't miss the point The point is Jesus, simply Jesus, nothing more, nothing less. Why would we choose to live for anything else? Why would we choose to live for anything less than Jesus? Because when we do, we miss everything he came to bring us, the peace, the gratitude, the freedom, the promise, and the fullness. So here's what I want to urge us to do. In all we are, in all we do, let's make this choice. Simply Jesus, at the center of our hearts, the center of our thoughts, at the center of our choices, and at the center of our lives. And when we do this, we'll be light in darkness. We'll experience light in darkness. We'll be the hope of the world. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Make the choice. We'll see you next time.